1: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The best career advice that you are not getting is
2: to invest.
3: Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and I'm here with my good friend Sophie.
2: Hi Maddie, how are we today?
3: (laughs) We are good. Good. Before we start today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for.
2: Now Mads, one of the things that really inhibits people from the finance world in general is all that jargon that can be really hard to wrap your head around.
3: Yeah, I often find myself googling things but even reading definitions it can be really hard to understand if you don't have any context.
2: Well today we're going to try and break down some of the basic terms that you need to know when you're starting out your investment journey with the lovely Betsy Westcott.
3: Let's jump over to her now today we're going to be tackling some of the key terms we need to know when beginning investing to do that we are joined by betsy westacott financial wellness coach and ambassador of the ladies finance club betsy is passionate about financial literacy and dedicates her career to helping people understand and make the most out of their money when she's not doing that betsy works as the chief revenue officer at fupay helping people to live large and take charge of their money Betsy is doing amazing work in improving the financial lives of others especially women and we are so grateful to have her on our show. Welcome Betsy.
0: Hello thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be a part of this.
3: Thanks so much for joining us. So before we get into the episode we'd love to
2: ask you a few questions so that we can get to know you. So the first one is do you have a morning routine and if so what is it?
0: I do. I'm definitely an early riser. I have a morning routine, but with flex. I'm not one of those, you know, really strict people who do the same thing every day. But um, my husband and I probably wake up around 5:36 and then it's usually like a scissor paper rocks to who goes and makes a coffee for, for the both of us. Oh, um, <laughs> we're so dorky. <laughs> um, so we have Does someone coffee-
3: normally win.
0: Um Ah oh, he'll probably say he wins, but I would say it's actually pretty 5050. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, we we sort of drink coffee in bed and read the news and kind of chat. Um and then I try to exercise first thing in the morning because that kind of physical well being is really important to me and I've just learned over the years if I don't do it straight up, it's probably not gonna happen. Um so I try and do that first thing and then you know. Get ready, do the hair, do the makeup, off to work. Um, And when I sit down at my desk, the first thing I do is I just write, like, what are the three most important things that I do today? I find that, that we're just bombarded with noise and things to do and demands all the time that if I don't be really clear around what my priorities are, um, the day just kind of like happens to me (laughs) and, um, you know, time's pretty precious. So, uh, I'm really like diligent about saying, okay, what are the three things I need to do each day? So, that's my morning routine with flex. I love (laughs) that.
3: And Betsy, how long have you been investing for and who or what influenced you to invest? That's a
0: good question. Like, If I'm technical about it, my dad got me to buy some Telstra shares when Telstra first went kind of public and as a customer, you could sign up and become a part owner in the company.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people have that situation of, you know, dad or grandpa bought shares in Telstra or something similar to that. Quite a common story.
0: Yeah, so I think I probably count my first real foray into investing um when I was actually trying to build up my first home deposit because I'm a country girl from Northwestern Queensland. Came to Sydney to the big smoke by myself and was like, cool, I'll buy like a house. I've got a job. Da, 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 and then realized the price of things. Um, and luckily I was working in, in the bank at the time and, um, spoke to one of the financial advisors and I was like, mate, how does everyone? do it like how how do you save (laughs) 120 grand which was like my target goal at the time and um he sat me down which was a really really I really appreciate the fact that he did this and kind of explained to me you know you can save and and working out how much would take just saving alone and how you know because we'd kind of figured out that would probably take six, seven, eight years, um, how we could use investing to accelerate my path to building up that first home deposit through higher returns and compounded returns. So that's when I feel like I first financially adulted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you're pre- like that's pretty much the stage that Maddie and I are in at the moment. We're like, how are we going to buy a house? We're going to have to get investing <laughs> and at least like try and get our money gains through that. It's definitely definitely something that a lot of people are face.
0: Yeah, and it was a really good lesson around goals-based investing. Prior to that, I thought investing was just about kind of saying you were an investor, being like, oh, yeah, I've got some shares, I've got some crypto, whatever, you know, whatever you're investing in. <laughs> and this was the moment where I sort of first learned about investing is not um, not the end game. Investing is a means to an end and it's about facilitating your goals and what is the lifestyle you want to create or the business you want to start, whatever it is that you want to use that money for. It's just a way to facilitate you achieving that over and above saving cash alone, um, which was a really good lesson.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, and the next question is for our listeners: investing can seem a little bit intimidating. So, when you first started investing, what were you most afraid of?
0: That I'd stuff it up, <laughs> 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 I'd lose my money, yep. <laughs> and just that I like that someone would figure out that I had absolutely no idea about what I was doing. Um, so, you know, like most women, I. I knew that there was so much I didn't know and that's why for my first investing um, sort of foray, I actually got advice. I got proper financial advice um, to help me kind of understand how investing would help me achieve my goal what was my risk profile? Why was it important that I diversified across a number of different investments? Why was asset allocation an important part of constructing my investment portfolio to ensure that I could achieve my goal? Um, So I think, yeah, that that was my biggest lesson, just feeling like such a fish out of water and knowing okay well if i don't know what to do how can i go and learn and sadly we didn't have podcasts back then and we didn't have fabulous (laughs) things like the ladies finance club so all i really had as an option was to go and see a financial advisor who was basically like a cardboard cutout of my dad um there's more (laughs) options out there but he was great shout out to kim nielsen um financial advisor circa (laughs) 2010.
3: (laughs) Sorry, I thought you were doing a shout out to your dad then. I was like, yeah, go dad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks dad as well. Cheers, Brucie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, dad, I actually don't think dad gave me a lot of great investment advice. Mostly just do it, <laughs> but no, no tools or strategies on actually what that would look like just to do it. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, getting to know your goals and risk profile and how the financial advisor really helped you to do that, and that's something that we're touching on a lot in this sort of first season is trying to understand what kind of an investor you are so that you can make decisions that sort of really align with with who you are and what investments you actually want to and should be making. For our final question, Betsy, if you were a stock, who would you be?
0: <laughs> Such a good question. Does it have to be a listed stock?
3: No. No, okay, it can great be a company. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: good. I would be Elvest, basically.
3: <laughs> um, Ooh, so tell us, I love Elvest.
0: I love Elvest as a company. I love their philosophy. Sally Krawcheck is just such a badass. Um, she so for the listeners who are like, "Who's Elvest, gal? What are you talking about?" <laughs> Essentially, they're a finance company based in the U.S., which is founded by women. For women, and what they do is they've um, created investment port. They've created a company that offers not only investing solutions, but investing solutions that take into account the complexity of women's financial lives, and helps to ensure that the investment strategies that they make help them achieve those lifestyle goals that they're aiming for. They also offer things like career coaching as well as financial coaching. Like love- because I am so passionate about financial education and women's financial empowerment. If I could pick a company that I wanted to like represent me, that would be the one.
2: Yeah, I started following a couple of months ago because a friend got me onto it. And so if I can say anything right now, it's go follow the Instagram or or look at a page because it's honestly, it's such a great page. So we're going to move on and we want to talk about what you do a little bit before we jump into um, the next part of the show. You mentioned off air tonight that you're running your final week uh, of your financially fit and a little bit fabulous boot camp. So we wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit about this and how it's all going.
0: Yeah, let me just take a step back and give you some context to how did I come to be running a boot camp. Um, I've worked in finance for over 12 years. I've run bank branches. I've been a private banker looking after very wealthy families and individuals. I've become qualified as a financial advisor and – what I've observed after 12 years of working in financial services is that financial advice is really essential. Educating people on how to make the most of and understand their money is a really key skill that I wish we all had. I wish we were all financially literate because when you understand money and how it works in the world and use it um, to, to sort of facilitate the lifestyle and goals, you can create so much freedom and choice and safety and abundance in your life. And one of the problems right now is that with all the future of financial advice, reforms with the the Royal Commission, giving financial advice has become really expensive. And there's some good reasons for that, but it's kind of problematic because the people who probably need advice the most, often can't afford it anymore. It's become too expensive. It's usually like $3,000 plus to get um, a personalized statement of financial advice. So, there's this gap right now where, you know, because money is this tool that we we all get given, um, but often aren't told how to use it. It's like being given the keys to a car and not told how to drive, just been like, Go along, see how you go. Good luck. (laughs) And so there's a bit of a gap um, where people have access to money but don't really know how to use it optimally um, to their their best advantage and then they can get themselves into trouble. You often see people spending more than they earn, living paycheck to paycheck, getting caught up in those debt cycles or they might have good behaviours and they want to learn how to multiply their money through investing but don't really know how investing works and just kind of dive into something unwittingly, um, not nearly knowing how or why it works and why you might do it. So... What I thought is uh, how I could help, how I could kind of serve is to create um, a course, courses um, that educate people about money. I don't tell people what to do, but I, I developed the six-week program to kind of take them on a bit of a journey to cover everything you wish you knew about money that you probably should have been taught about money um, either at school or from your family. So, it is true. The financial services industry does use a a lot of jargon. They um, use terminologies and create products that require a really high level of financial acumen for you to actually know and understand what's going on and it's it's problematic because most Australians don't feel particularly financially confident. Um, there's this really funny financial influencer out of the US, I think her name is Susie Orman. Um, she says women fake orgasms, men fake finances. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that what that sort of speaks to is the fact that most of us don't really understand the basics of finance. Um women are more likely to ask questions. The blokes kind of just dive in and be like, yeah, 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 cool, put it all on black. Um, <laughs> But but it's a really common place. But then, because of it being something that we all have access to and we all feel like we should understand, there's this whole cycle of shame around money. When you feel like you aren't confident or you don't know what it means, and so it stops you asking questions because you don't want to be the one caught out and looking silly because you you know you didn't understand what how credit cards worked or something like that. So we need to bring finance and financial well being into the light and have more conversations about it so we can all learn collectively and do better collectively.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've always said that at school should be teaching us even just how to do like our tax returns. Because it's <laughs> yeah. just a simple, the simple money things that when you become an adult or you start adulting, you're like, "What is this? How do I do this?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the meme that seems to come around every tax time, and it's like me, the government. It's government's like, "You need to do your taxes," and you're like, "You need to pay me some money for all the <laughs> for the money event." You're like, "Cool, how much?" <laughs> you need to figure it out. What if I get it wrong? You go to jail. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We are going to hear a quick word from our sponsors, but after the break, Betsy is going to help explain some of the most common terms that you need to know when you first begin investing.
1: Ready to pop the question?
2: Okay, we're going to move in to maybe the more not so serious section, but a little bit about breaking down the terms that people need to know. So I guess for context, people who are listening might not have started investing yet, or people might have started investing, but want to brush up on some terms. And we kind of just want to break down some of the basics so that we can feel comfortable joining the conversation. So we'll start start with number one, which is probably a, a term that's Use the most in the finance world, but what is a stock?
0: Ah, stock. So, it, it's, there's the word stock, there's also shares, there also is equities. Three words, same, same, all the same. They mean the same thing. So, what a stock, a share or an equity is, is the fact that you are a part owner in a company, you own a piece of a company pie, so to speak. Um, and as an owner, you're entitled to um, the the profits that that company makes. And being an owner, you've got to pay to own this piece of the of the company pie. Um, and if you want to sell it, you often can. And when you sell it, you might make some money on on that. Um, what you bought it for, it might have the company might have performed, it might have made lots of money, it might have acquired another company and grown and accumulated more customers. So, when you go to sell it, the piece that you own is worth more than what you bought it for. Conversely, um, the company might not have done so well and when you go to sell it, it might not be worth as much as you paid for it. But essentially, stocks, equities, shares, they just mean you're a part owner of a company.
3: Yeah, fantastic. And then another term that I hear a lot that people say that they can invest in is an ETF. What is an ETF? And then I guess how does that differ from a share or a stock?
0: Good question. So, I'm going to use an analogy. So, um, let me first explain what an ETF is and then I'm going to bring it to life with an analogy. But an exchange traded fund is what we call a managed fund Um, and it's something that you can – it's a fund that you can buy on a listed exchange such as the Australian Securities Exchange or better known as the ASX funds tend to be a parcel of investments. So instead of owning one share, you might want to buy a whole basket of shares or rather than buying a single flavoured chocolate, like a, you know, Cadbury dairy milk, you want to try all the flavours. So instead you go and buy yourself a box of favourites where you get to try all the chocolate flavours at once. That's kind of like an ETF. It's like a box of chocolates, quoting Forrest Gump. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) It's like a box of chocolates or a a basket of shares and it's Can be think of it as a sample. So it could be a sample of what are the biggest companies on a stock exchange. For example, the ASX two hundred is an ETF that I can't remember the exact ticker code. Um, Someone might have to look it up for me. But
2: A two hundred, I think. Oh,
0: beautiful! There we go. Um, (laughs) It's a sample of the largest companies listed on the Australian stock exchange. But you can also buy exchange traded funds that will focus on a particular asset. So an exchange traded fund that focuses on shares or it might focus on properties or it might focus on commodities such as gold something like that but when you buy a parcel of share instead of investing your money in one thing you're investing your money across many different things it kind of gets your money gets thrown into a pool with lots of other investors and then it's spread out across heaps of investments um, and you own a portion of that
3: okay so we know about shares we know about ETF so where can we actually buy them and how does it work are you able to sort of tell us about a bit more about what the share market actually is
0: yeah, so the share market is a um, marketplace. You know, if you imagine back in the day, um, people used to go to the town square and you'd have different people selling their wares and you would go along with your money and you would decide what you wanted to buy from the markets, marketplace. Um, the stock market is exactly the same things, but instead of selling apples and pears and leather boots, they're selling companies. They're selling um, ownership in companies. Um in Australia, the most commonly known um, stock exchange is the Australian Stock Exchange, the ASX. Um, other, you know, significantly significant and well-known ones might be um, the NASDAQ, for example, the S&P, things like that. Um, but, but think of them as a marketplace where you just go to buy and sell something. If you want to um, participate in this marketplace, you need to have what's called a brokerage account. So you need an, a, sort of like a A ticket (laughs) kind of thing. Um, Ticket's like a loose way of describing it, but essentially like you need to have – an account to which to access this market. And you can do that through banks um, such as Comsec, NAB Trade, um, but you sign up to them, um, you know, you create an account, you'll need a cash account in which you transfer your money into when you're ready to to go to the market. Then you can go onto the market, have a look around, see what you like, do you like the look of this particular company or that one. If you want to buy it, click Add to Cart Um, you know, name the price that you want to pay for it. If that's accepted, you'll become the owner of the share. You need to transfer your money. And in exchange, you will get um, a piece of that company, some shares in that company. So I hope that's not too simplistic, but really that's what it boils down to. It's a marketplace.
2: (laughs) No, it's good. We need to definitely keep things simple. But then, then we've got a quick fire question. What's a ticker?
0: A ticker. It's um, a code uh, to give you a really abbreviated name for a company. So National Australia Bank's ticker code is NAB. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones out there. CBA. <laughs> CBA. That's, yeah, they're really obvious ones. Let's get some early yeah. <laughs> ones. Um, Temple and Webster, I think is TPW is their ticker code. Yeah. But think of it as like a sh- an abbreviated name, a nickname. Um, it's usually three um, three characters. Um, And you use that to find the company within the marketplace, within the stock exchange.
3: And then a final thing that I hear a lot about is, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, it's the word bull and bear. What what is that? And what's a bull and bear market?
0: Oh, bull and bear. God, could it be more masculine, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, it's a term used to describe the sentiment in the stock market, the sentiment of an economy. So the bull is um, when the market is feeling fabulous. You know those days where you wake up and your skin's looking good and your clothes look just right and your hair lands in the right way and you're just full and brimming with confidence? (laughs) (laughs) That's a bull market, my friends. Those are your best hair days. Um, So the bull market, you know, prices are going up, the value of companies are going up, and they're expected to continue to go up. Um, It's usually measured by an increase in the value of the stock market by more than Twenty percent, And like I said, it's characterised by optimism. Everyone's feeling good. Everyone's feeling confident. They're going to take risks because what could go wrong? (laughs) The bull market's (laughs) full of confidence. Um, You'll probably see low um, unemployment rates. You'll see um, the gross domestic produce, so the production of a company, the output, uh, not of a company, of a country, um, you know, being quite high. Everything's looking prosperous. There'll be lots of other companies wanting to list on the stock exchange through an initial public offering. Things. Um So, it's a very confident time. The reason they call it a bull is because when a bull charges at its opponent, it lifts its head. <laughs> to attack that ah, goes up. So if you think of bull goes sense. up. I know, I know, so funny. <laughs> um, versus a bear that swipes down. So a bear market is basically the opposite where everyone's feeling pessimistic. These are the days where you're feeling frumpy, you didn't get enough sleep, you drank way too much in the weekend and your face is breaking out. That's like the equivalent of a, of a <laughs> physical bear market. <laughs> um, so prices are going down. And it's usually characterized by a drop of 20% in the market. It's it's not a hard and fast rule, but basically things drop really quickly. You'll see unemployment rates go up. You'll see the economy slowing down. Companies aren't making as much money. So good examples of bear markets would be the global financial crisis was a big bear market. Even just last year with um, COVID-19 in about March, I think we saw the ASX 200 drop about Twenty four percent, so it was yeah, a really crazy. rapid, <laughs> yeah, rapid bear market. But you know, between we've we've had really long bull runs as well. So from about March. 2009 basically through to March 2020 we had a really long bull market where you know over that period the stock market went up quite a bit so um, but it really long and short of it is sentiment are people feeling confident and things are looking good or are they feeling uh, and that's bullish um, or are they feeling bearish they're concerned they're pessimistic they think everything's going to be worse tomorrow than it is today.
2: This is going to be a really bad joke, but maybe they should call the bear market the bat market because it took a bat to make the market (laughs) drop.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs) That's
2: my joke for the day. (laughs) So we've set that kind of understanding of what we're purchasing, we're purchasing equity or stocks, shares, and where we're purchasing them. At in well, If you're in Australia and the ASX, you can obviously purchase overseas as well. But we wanted to now define some factors that might influence your purchasing decisions. So one that people often talk about or you'll hear about a lot is dividends and people buy stocks that might have a high dividend yield. So we wanted to know what is a dividend and why do companies pay them?
0: Okay. So the first thing you need to know is uh, when you're investing, you're investing because you want to make a return. You want to get something back for putting your money away. And you can make two types of returns. There's income or a capital growth or a capital gain or loss. So a dividend is representative of income. It's the income that you receive for being a part owner of a company. So a company makes money. They report on it at the end of a financial year or a reporting period period. And if they've made a profit, they need to divide it up at the end of that period and give it out to all the share owners. So, dividend, profit that's divided up at the end of the period and paid to you as an owner, as income um, for being a part owner in that company. So if you're investing in a company that's paying dividends, you're investing in a company that's going to pay you an income. Not all companies will do this. Sometimes they're not going to pay an income out to the owners. What they're going to do is they're going to take those profits and use them to grow the company or pay down debt. Um, So it's it's a consideration um, when you're looking at a company that you want to invest in. Are you investing because you want a lot of income, or are you investing because you want to see that company grow in value? Or maybe a little bit of both. But again, dos, like the taco
1: ad. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what are the characteristics of the company and what are what are the characteristics of this investment? Um, so typically you see um, people that are looking to live off the income of their investments will have a bias towards um, shares that have a dividend, that produce dividends because they don't want to sell those investments to, to you know, pay their bills. They want the income to support their lifestyle so they can pay their bills with the income.
3: When we asked friends and family what they wanted to hear on a podcast like this, it was often mentioned that they wanted to know a good company to buy into. So I guess it makes sense because wouldn't we all like to get those best stock picks or, you know, have people tell us where to put our money? But, Unfortunately, we're not financial advisors and nor do we want to be telling people how to use their hard-earned money because these are decisions, like we've discussed, that you need to make for yourself based on your own personal goals. We're not financial advisors.
2: We wish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one, Dave. This is purely for educational purposes only and it absolutely does not constitute any investment advice. Every week we're going to discuss an area that is of interest to us and of interest to you today, Betsy. Um, this can be a particular stock, industry, news topic, anything that you think deserves a little bit of attention, and we're going to pop it on our watch list and we're going to watch it throughout the season or the series. And yeah, just give a little bit of context to people of what you can be thinking about and what's out there.
0: Okay. Oh, I think if I think about like what's on my watch list, what's on my radar, it's often companies where I've just spent a lot of money. <laughs> so, yeah, great one. Um, You know, you're like, yeah, I'm spending a lot of money with you and you're listed. Let me check you out a bit more. So um, my husband and I achieved a goal of ours of buying our first home last year, which was really, really exciting. Um, And it was a big upgrade from a little one-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom semi. So uh, we need to buy some more furniture. And uh, whilst I went to a number of different outlets, the one I kept coming back to was Temple and Webster. Um, And it's, it's really funny. I didn't even realize that they were listed on the Stock Exchange. Um, Until recently, I was poking around. I was like, oh, check that out. Temple of Lobster, right? <laughs> um, and no surprises, they've really done quite well over the last few years. I mean, not only are more people moving online and are looking for that really seamless e-commerce experience when they're purchasing goods, um, but then they've also had the coronavirus pandemic where people are spending more time at home and there's probably a bias towards making our homes more comfortable right now. Um, so, they're, they're a company that I find really interesting that as a customer I I really love spending <laughs> money with them. Um, they've got a they've got really great service, they've got a massive range. And I think they're actually the number one online retailer in Australia for um homewares and furniture. And it's interesting, um Australia as a as a company or oh, the company, as a country, I've done that twice now. <laughs> <laughs> The, the online sort of e-commerce space around furniture and homewards isn't as large as like some of the other different um, industries, say like, you know, retail clothing and things like that, um, which is interesting because overseas it's quite a really big trend to buy your furniture online. And if you think about Pottery Barn and West Elm and, and companies like that um, that have become sort of global names as, as online furniture retailers, um, I think there's a bit of an opportunity here in Australia to, to kind of, see more companies enter that space and expand on that. So being the kind of number one retailer in Australia, I think there's a lot of growth opportunity. They've acquired a few different companies along the way. They listed around 2016, I think, 2016, 2015. I think it was late 2015, like December. Um, and the share price was a dollar $1.10. Um, it's now worth my last check, $8.45. So oh, wow, really good <laughs> growth over the last six years. Um, so, yeah, that's one that I like just because I'm a happy customer and I've used their services and I think that they've, there's more growth um, there. But that's a good example of a company that um, to date hasn't paid dividends um, because they're a growth company and reinvesting in um, expanding their business.
2: So, this is just a, a bit of follow-up question, I guess. Do you think mm-hmm. the growth for something like Temple and Webster will continue into the future, kind of that post-COVID world where we're not always so much in our homes and enjoying our environments?
0: Well, it's a great question. and Look, this is just a personal opinion, but for me, like I love doing up my home and i you know, Australians have such a long love affair with property, don't they? Um, And I've found as a person who's often short on time, being able to browse something because I've got this great little iOS app, which, you know, a lot mm. of my favorite other brands, like from my searches, I haven't been able to find them. They don't have that app. And I'm sure I'm a bit like you guys. Anytime I get a bit of downtime, the old um, habit of just swipe, unlock your phone and mindlessly gaze at things. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> it's like it's it's such a ingrained habit, isn't it? Um, but, you know, I find myself going on and Webster and be like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about buying, you know, a new rug or what art have they got? in or um, oh, I broke the butter container and I need a new <laughs> one um, and I love it because I don't have to go out to a store and buy it I, I personally actually don't always love that physical shopping experience for something that I can get really good information and um, I was using I don't actually know if this was Temple Webster but I was using another furniture um uh retailer recently and they had augmented reality with their items you could take a photo of your place and then put it in the room and I was like this is a game changer oh it's pretty cool how cool is technology that's actually
2: <laughs> heavenly because for someone like me like I literally cannot visualize so that's like necessity
0: <laughs> yeah it was actually um I, I remember which company it was Miss Amara the rug company and I was like this is brilliant because now I can see what it's going to look like so uh, and so I I do think the market's going to continue to grow there because people have a bias towards digital services and you can do that someone delivers it to your door you've got the return period so you get to try it a little bit before you are like locked in with it and then if you think about augmented reality and be able to place things in a room before you you physically pay for it or order it ah so good
3: And Betsy, to round out this episode, what would you tell your younger self when you were starting out investing?
0: Great question. Um, How long have we got? (laughs) No, (laughs) I would say I would be telling younger Betsy to get educated and start investing in either well-diversified funds, be them ETF or a managed fund, um, whatever she felt comfortable in. I would tell her to get going and do it early because being young when you are investing is like having a superpower. You just need to do a little bit regularly to create some really powerful and impressive financial results. So, I would be telling her to like not worry about playing snake on her like Motorola whatever Nokia twenty four ten, I do not remember what the phones were called. To ignore that, to ignore like the blue light disco and start reading up on how to invest safely in diversified investments and get going with that. That's what I'd tell her.
2: <laughs> I think that's very sound advice, especially, you know, going into diversified portfolios. I'm not sure how you would have invested when you were younger with the Nokia phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that wouldn't have worked no I you have to put the phone down you probably do you know what actually I remember when I bought my Telstra shares my dad and I went downtown um my dad was living in Yapoon in Queensland at the time if anyone knows where that is and we went downtown to the main street of um Yapoon and I think it was like ABN AMBRO or ABN Morgan, something like that. It basically was a stockbroker. a little tiny office, opened up the door. You know when um, you've got the blinds that go down the door and every time you open the door, it goes cling, cling. It was literally like that kind of office, brown carpet. There was like a desk in a corner and a very sad-looking fern. And Dad and I went in and I handed over my, I think it was like my probably Commonwealth Dolomites got some like money out of that. And bought Delstrajere. So it was a lot of effort. It is much easier to invest these days. So <laughs> you're lucky, current generation. You're welcome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are. We are very lucky that we can just use the apps and look online. Well, Betsy, we wanted to say thank you so much for coming and speaking to us today. Everything you've said has been super insightful, and we hope that it can help. Uh, some people along their investment journey. Do you have any pages or Instagram or Facebook that you'd want people to follow where they could reach out to you or I guess follow your journey or be a part of any of your boot camps?
0: Yes, um, you can find me at Ms. Betsy Westcott on Instagram. My personal financial coaching page is BetsyWescott.com. I need to give a shout out for both the Ladies Finance Club and Foo. So please check out at the Ladies Finance Club. My fabulous friend Molly is the founder and they do some really fun um, events and courses. Um, ladiesfinanceclub.com and also check out, download FooPay. Um, and I think the website is getfoo.com. I should know
3: I can check that.
0: (laughs) Just type in FooPay. It'll come up. That's what Google's for. Um, But check out Foo as well. It's a fantastic app that helps you aggregate all your different accounts, um, analyzes your spending, gives you a forecast of where you're going to be financially. We've got the FooPay to help out with your cash flow, and there's some really exciting features in the works. So um, we'll tell you more about those when they launch. (laughs)
2: Perfect. Thanks so much, Betsy. We really appreciate your time.
3: Thanks, Betsy. Thank you.
2: A huge thank you to Betsy for joining us on today's episode. We feel very lucky to be able to take your questions straight to the experts. So please send them through. There are no silly questions.
3: And if you want to continue the conversation about getting started investing, we would love for you to join our Facebook community at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. You can also follow us on Instagram at YIGC Podcast. Or email any questions directly to yigc at equitymates.com and we will do our best to answer.
2: Next episode, we'll be jumping into understanding your risk profile and debunking that myth that investing is like gambling. Until then.
3: You're In Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast
0: is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.